Welcome back to the Be There in Five podcast. I'm Kate. It is July 5th, the day after July 4th, Independence Day, our nation's great holiday. And I had a great fourth. I, I'm struggling with it being in the middle of the week. I think a mid, midweek Christmas or 4th of July is a bit tough. That's why Thanksgiving's awesome, because the date rotates and you just always have that Thursday. And on that Thursday, you're full and you're, uh, well, you're full of food and you're full of hope because you have three more days of the weekend left. It's a great time to be alive. And I, like any other basic bee, live for the fall. Live for a turtleneck. Oh God, a black turtleneck. I I just, I, my entire personality changes. I feel like I could do a keynote. I, um, I'm a best self in a turtleneck and my worst self in shorts. And it has been over 90 degrees here and I haven't left the house. But I did leave the house yesterday for the 4th. I've been actively seeking uh, friends who have grills, who have patios, who have outdoor spaces for years now in the city. A cookout in the city is tough. A lot of people have rooftops, but they're often shared. A shared grill situation, not only from a germ standpoint, but also from um, people talking to you when you're really just there to see the people you already know. I don't know. I don't like an inadvertent group hang. I like to be with the group that I'm with <laughs> if I'm at a private cookout. And uh, anyway, I just I live for a cookout. I, I live for hot dogs and hamburgers and brats. And I always forget that I like brats. And by the time I see the brat and taste the brat and I'm trying to delicately nibble on it to pretend like I'm not really eating it because I've already had two other types of meat and two other shapes of white bread, um, I... I I always think I'm going to remember next time to have the brat first. Then I never do. And it's always my third and it's always the best. And I just think they're often picked over at a cookout. I um, love having four to eight beers, depending on how full I get from aforementioned shapes of white bread and meat. I love a bunch of two liter sodas with the caps off, lost all effervescence. So they're flat, which is great for the tummy. And uh, it's like it doesn't matter that you're eating, drinking a full sugar room temperature lemonade because... Again, you've had four to eight beers, three meats, two breads, and it's all a wash. I, I love the smell of stale beer in the moonlight. I love dirty feet on a patio with citronella candles. I, it's really, um, it's just a sensory experience that I have great memories from. And I grew up, you know, with some of my greatest moments being on screen porches. And it's just something I miss in the city. So I'm grateful to have friends with patios and grills and for their company, of course. But uh, if anyone is ever having a cookout in the Chicagoland area and wants to invite me, probably don't, because I would come. I really like to think that even though I'm not my best self in shorts, I am my best self to cook out. I'm a lot more fun before 8 p.m., and I really enjoy just, you know, sights and sounds, the, the taste of a potato salad that's been left in the sun for a questionable amount of time. Those are the things that really just, you know, smell and taste like summer to me, and, uh, 
now I just avoid the sun like the plague, and it's like a little depressing. And maybe that that is uh, the ebb and flow of my mood. I'm feeling a little ugh today, and that's why I chose the 18s upside down bouncing off the ceiling. Because it is truly the most unreasonably upbeat song a teenager could sing. And, you know, they are from Sweden, and given time of year, I should have probably picked an American artist, but didn't think that one through. I <laughs> Okay, real quick. I spent most of my morning scrolling through delightful 4th of July images. You know, I love videos of fireworks. I watch them over and over, each different than the last. I, um, I love, I don't know. It's just like when you think of the founding fathers, well, when, when you imagine, you know, 1776, the ratification of our Je Declaration of Independence, and when, when 56 delegates uh, presented this to the Second Continental Congress, do you think that they knew that we would be honoring them with American flag bikinis on your friend's boat, uh, waving an American flag behind them as a cape that borders on distasteful, but also everyone else does it, so does distaste exist in the absence of other people's discretion? Do, do you think that they, they truly meant life, liberty, and the pursuit of a friend who has a boat? Because nobody wants to own a boat themselves. So we all find a friend with a boat, no matter how many degrees of separation we get on that boat. Do you take these photos because if you stand on the boat and the water's in the background, you want to facetune your thighs? You can blame any warping on the, of the water on, you know, a, a, a change in current direction on a choppy wake fr from a nearby jet skier. It's just a safer bet than a lot of other photos. And... You know, whether it's an American flag two-piece or more recently a trendy one-piece, I just saw so many ladies just really um, doing their part to promote, you know, patriotism or freedoms to celebrate democracy and uh, really honor the, the holiday the way it, it should be. And, you know, I'm not hating on anybody's ability to, A, confidently post a bikini photo because, God bless, would love to if I could, B, rock primary colors, another thing I don't do. For me, it's just more so a question of, does like every holiday have to become something sexy? Like Halloween is sexy. Sometimes Christmas is sexy. And obviously, as I mentioned earlier with my turtleneck, Thanksgiving is like smoking hot sexy. And it's just, it's getting, it's getting to be a bit much for me. And I, um, I also just like wonder with, whenever I see really suggestive photos or bikini photos, or like, you know, somebody eating a firecracker popsicle in a sensual way, and then they have a quote like, you know, uh, you know, for uh, Purple Mountain's majesty, hashtag fruited plains, America is beautiful, you're beautiful, I'm beautiful, love ya, like for like, follow for follow. I'm just like, hmm, this is interesting. Do you, like, your parents look at this, and they're like, you're doing great, sweetie. I like Chris Jenner when Kim was doing the Playboy shoot. Do you block them? Are they not on social media? Everything I do is affected by if my parents will see it or not, which I don't think is a bad way to live. Isn't that the point of having parents? I'm over, I'm 30 now, but like I still care what they think. Every time I watch The Bachelor, I'm like, I would die if my parents saw me making out with a guy in a hot tub. It's just hard for me to understand. Um, and like, where do you where do you work? Like, in what world do you? If your coworkers stalk you on social media, which if they're any good, they do. I know I did. Don't do you really want them to see your belly button? I don't know. I I, I like to think of myself as Kyle XY. 
you will not see my belly button. You won't know if I have one because I just don't think if you work with somebody, they ever need to have any reason to ever see your belly button. I had a boss once that said, never get wet with your coworkers. And his like cardinal rule was like, if you're ever at a point where you think it's a good idea to get into a pool or a hot tub with your colleagues, you've already gone too far. And I always thought that was a great rule of thumb. <laughs> um, but I feel like the other thing about 4th of July, and I don't, I don't want to be like, I don't want to be negative. I'm not saying this because everyone else likes it. I'm not trying to be cool. I, this is, I sincerely, if anything, just want to liberate other people who don't like things that they're told are supposed to be fun or interesting by living in my truth. I just don't think they're fun or interesting. And that thing for me is fireworks. I never sit there in my inevitably backless seat because I'm probably on a curve on the street on some sort of asphalt sand or like bl cold bleacher without a back. I never sit there and look at these explosives and think, wow, these explosives are so much more beautiful than the explosives I saw last year, the year before. Like, wow, one of them sparkles. That is brand new information. Wow, they're all going to go really fast toward the end. And then we're all just going to like, Heard out of here like cattle in the summer heat, wondering where to go next and lamenting that the next day we have to go back to work. I, I just, the whole experience for me has never been fruitful. And they're really loud. And I remember being a kid and sitting there with my hands over my ears and in a ball and just wanting it to be over. And I feel the same way 25 years later. And that's what I think is interesting about your truth. Like, I think he just likes some things and you don't like others. And that's totally fine. And... You know, at a younger age, I used to crusade uh, just against, you know, the perils of watching fireworks because they were loud. And I was always worried they were, you know, going to catch something on fire. But I grew up in a state where fireworks were super illegal and we weren't bordering states where they were legal. So so fireworks in the hands of amateurs, in the hands of youths are worse in the hands of drunk people. We're not a part of my upbringing. So imagine my surprise when I first moved to Chicago, when I went to Michigan for my first summers here, and fireworks were just like a regular part of a summer group hang. And not only are they dangerous explosives, they're dangerous explosives being used by drunk people around in a neighborhood, around trees, around houses, around kids. I, I cannot get over the private use of fireworks. It is so confusing to me. It's not fun. It's not interesting. I don't marvel at them. I'm not impressed. It's just straight up dangerous. I'm sorry. I don't want to. I, I, I just don't. I don't see the uh, allure of dangerous explosives after you know playing Power Hour. I'm scared then, and I'm scared now. And even when we're I'm at a wedding and they're doing a grand exit, and I'm handed a sparkler, I seldom light it. I, I, can't, I don't understand. Also, what kind of bride and groom think it's a great idea to give all their super wasted wedding guests literal fire and point it at their face? When they're about to, you know, ride off into the sunset. You, you don't want to miss your trip to Turks and Caicos because of a, an accidental hairspray fire due to a rogue sparkler user. I, I, I've, I've just never been a fan. And I guess I didn't have an exit at my wedding, so I didn't really have to go through this thought. I don't really know what would be better. I know the photos are great. I've just seen a lot of people, you know, almost set a country club on fire. And I just think we'd all be safer without them. Anywho, I'm a delight. Sound like a really good time. <laughs> And uh, now that I'm thinking about it, I realized I never addressed the song that I played earlier. And, you know, in retrospect, I maybe should have picked, like, an American artist. I mean, I, I probably should have picked Toby Keith, who so eloquently said, we'll put a boot in your ass, it's the American way. And, you know, while I don't think that's super reflective of how we all feel we want to represent our great nation, 
Um, hopefully he got enough downloads and streams yesterday because I don't really understand any other time of year anyone really wants to like be actively playing Toby Keith. Though he does. The funniest thing to me, so Toby Keith owns a chain of bars called Toby Keith's I Love This Bar. And I Love This Bar is a good song. Um, I've, I have been to a Toby Keith concert. I'm not being pretentious. I honestly, I, I, I try not to pass judgment unless I've experienced something for myself. And I have been to many country concerts. But something about Toby Keith's was a smidge angrier than the others. Maybe it's that courtesy of the Red, White, and Blue song, which I think at the time made a lot more sense. But you listen to it now and you're kind of like, whoa, this is, this is, well, <laughs> you know what? As, as I just thought I was like making an astute point about the tone, I realized it's called Courtesy of the Red, White, and Blue. Parentheses, the angry American. So he's pretty straightforward about the, the tone of the song. But um, I, Toby Keith's I Love This Bar is funny to me because I just, I can't imagine ever hearing anybody say the sentence like, hey, you want to go out tonight? You want to hit the town girls night? Like, let's do a big, let's go dancing. Let's cut up a rug, paint the town red. The world's our oyster. Insert every, you know, figure of speech here that I love to use ironically when I ask somebody to go out because I know we will be painting the town eggshell. Um, I've never heard somebody be like, let's hit the town. Let's go to Toby Keith's. I love this bar. It just doesn't seem like a place people like actively pursue to go. And I don't mean to, and I mentioned a few episodes ago that I have a problem with city pretension, but I actually have made this place into something that's not in my head to the point where I really want to go. And like, I'm praying that one day I'll be at some work function and somebody's like, I am dying for a delicious steak. Can we please go get a should have been a cowboy ribeye at Toby Keith's I Love This Bar? And I would be like, yes, done. I cannot wait. I, I I want to see how many people are wearing a shirt that says Whiskey Girl. I will order a beer for my horses and I will punch any man in the face who comes up and asks me who's your daddy because I think that's a Toby Keith song and it's kind of gross. I do like the song How Do You Like Me Now because I live for a song theme that's like, look at me now, I'm getting paper, basically. Uh, similar to that one by um, uh, Gives You Hell. I believe that's the All-American Rejects. Similar to... um. I mean, any song by Pink, basically. Speaking of, I re-listened to the song You and Your Hand recently and was like, oh, got it. Well, right over my head. Did not pick up on that when it came out. Still a great song. Um, what's another great F you look at me now song? I was going to say, I was going to say Phil Collins. But what's that? Oh, that song's called Against All Odds. And I'm pretty sure that's the opposite of like, I'm doing so great now. Bye song. Because it's like, you coming back to music against all odds. I really miss you. So that's not a good example. Anyway, moving on the 18s. The 18s were formed in like the early 2000s. They're a Swedish group that was specifically formed just to sing ABBA songs, which is really weird to me because I don't know. It's like a, a uh, group of executives in Sweden sat down. They were like, yeah, so that ABBA thing worked out really great for us. And let's do that again, but just like the exact same thing. Repurpose it, you know, 20 years later. Pretend it's new. And that way, you know, kids all across the world will be like, Mom and Dad, have you heard this sick new song, uh, Dancing Queen? Bet you haven't. You're so old. And like, you know, you bring back disco. It unites us all. It's a great, it's great times. But how pigeonholing is it to make to try to put a cover band into mainstream success. I kind of feel for the 18s. And granted, I don't know if this is before or after Mamma Mia came to Broadway, because Mamma Mia is a revelation, and I love it. I love ABBA's songs, but we don't need the actual ABBA 
Mamma Mia, the Broadway play, the cover band of ABBA, the A-teens, and the Meryl Streep movie. I mean, that movie is a bit questionable, period, but I guess, best case scenario, the A-teens have a movie based on their life about their songs based on ABBA. So it's kind of like Mamma Mia Inception, but I don't really see that happening. I don't really even know where their careers went. This song and Dancing Queen were kind of the two big ones from this group, and they were heavily featured on the Disney Channel. I don't know if they had the song on a decom or what their deal was, but um, I I liken them to Bewitched or Shadaisy, and just that there were two songs. I saw them all the time. They're upbeat. I appreciate them. Are they uh, rotating on my play everyday playlist my road trip playlist not necessarily but it's nostalgic and it's upbeat and i actually find myself in a kind of sour mood today and i was thinking i i wish i were upside down bouncing off the ceiling i i wish i could control when i had more energy and when i didn't and uh i just you know i was trying to offset my grumpy mood i was going to pick a much different song <laughs> and i realized that i've been i've been really doing too many slow love songs and i don't know if they're the greatest podcast intro because i need to get the energy up for not just myself but for you as well i was i was i actually started this episode initially i i wanted to play I'll Be by Edwin McCain because I love that song. It came on my random shuffle and I had this moment where I was like, oh my gosh, I'll be there in five. Is this like my song? I, 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 the song has meant so much to me growing up. The song is a pivotal moment in Dawson's Creek. And I looked up its Wikipedia page and it only had reached number five ever tops on the Billboard charts. And I was like, what? If you would ask me, I would have thought I'll be by Edwin McCain at least was number one for like 26 weeks. It was a huge song. And it's, it truly, I mean, forget Keats, forget Lord Byron, Shakespeare. I don't know. Who else does poems, does poems? Poems is a poet. Uh, Well, speaking of, if you ever find yourself on Jeopardy, as I've talked about, it's a life goal of mine. They never call me. I I do think I do fine on my practice exams and my entry exams, but... If you do find yourself on Jeopardy and they ask about poets, it's nine times out of ten, it is Sylvia Plath. And if it's not her, it's Keats. Without fail. They are creatures of habit over there at Jeopardy. And I've memorized those patterns just like I I did at the Math Emporium for calculus. And I really do, I I always do pretty well on my um, application exam and... You know, I try to upload a nice headshot. Um, I, I, they just never call. They never do. And they film it here or they um, do tryouts here sometimes. And I just don't know what, what a girl's got to do. It's, and it's hard, too, when you just see Peggy and Steve and Marsha wearing their twin sets and telling stories that just make me fall asleep about meeting their spouse at a petting zoo and just seeming to lack general social skills that you would think if you were on TV, if you were next to, to an icon like Trebek, you'd have a little bit more pep in your step. But alas, I will just sit at home with my clickable ballpoint pen and practice the timing of the buzzer. It's a real art and a science. You, you need to know the answer, but there's the time, it's such a short amount of time that you do need to discern if, if you're guessing or how sure you are. Because even if you do know the answer, if you don't click the buzzer in time, there's no point. So I'm not going to get into buzzer, buzzer theory here. Gosh, I've really gone off the rails. What was I talking about? Oh, yeah, poets. The Pablo Neruda, Sylvia Plath, Shel freaking... Sh- the man, the myth, the legend, Shel Silverstein. All very important people, but so is Edwin McCain. He is a true laureate. He is a true 
writer of of beautiful poetic lyrics and I don't know. I I I don't really understand why he fell off the fell off the map because he had all B and he had could not ask for more. And I got to be honest, I don't think I really realized those were two separate songs because they are so similar. But all B famously, you know, discusses how the strands in your eyes that color them wonderful stop me and steal my breath and emerald from mountains fall from the sky never revealing their depth. Tell me that we belong together. Dress it up with the trappings of love. I'll be captivated. I'm hanging from your lips. When I was a kid, I had no idea what he was saying. He was saying hanging from your lips. Kind of sounded like boobs. Was never sure. Instead of the gallows of heartache that hang from above. Now, I did that from memory and I might have been botching it. And as I was saying it, I was thinking, what are trappings of love and what are gallows? Is it gallows like a a hanging device? Are you doing okay, Edwin McCain? The... That the confessional manner in which he writes speaks to me, and I and I appreciate it. And this was a very famous scene in Dawson's Creek. I think that probably has a lot to do with it. I really enjoy when you hear even like the first few chords or whatever of a song, and it takes you right to a specific TV moment that was so big at the time. Because back in the day, we we experienced TV moments together live because we couldn't time shift them. And also just because the, like, I think everything was a bit richer when the anticipation was involved. And, um, like, like, okay, let me think of an example. Like, when you hear this. What you say, mm, that you only meant well, well, cause you did, mm, what you say, mm, that it's all for the and for the love of God, don't tell me Jason Derulo is what you think of when you hear that song. That would be like hearing Jack and Diane and thinking it was Jessica Simpson's Boy, I Think That I'm In Love With You, uh, who sampled that. And actually, I like that song. Shoot, I shouldn't have said that. I might have saved that for an opening song one time. It's a, it's a real toe tapper. Um, no, but that Imogen Heap Hide and Seek song, obviously, I if you watch The O.C., you could never hear that song and not think of that bullet slowly moving through the air. I... I didn't watch Grey's Anatomy much. I tried to dabble, but again, afraid of medical stuff. But I would imagine if you hear this. 2 a.m. and she calls me because I'm still awake. Can you help me unravel my latest mistake? I don't love him. Winter just wasn't my season. Oh my gosh, I love this song. I loved it then. I love it now. And an Alex Breathe, parentheses 2 a.m. I love these parentheses. Um... <laughs> It, it, it transports you to a scene in Grey's Anatomy to, again, not a huge fan, but I remember this scene, watching it in my sorority house, and it was like, someone rushes to someone's side who is injured with something, and someone else kisses somebody, and someone's, uh, there's a life or death situation, it, which is basically the plot of Grey's Anatomy, so I guess I am an expert. But uh, in this, speaking of breathe, I didn't watch Six Feet Under either. <laughs> But I just like, again, love the spark notes, love a highlight reel. I'll watch major scenes. And the finale of Six Feet Under, uh, the Sia song, which is one of my favorites, Breathe Me, was the uh, like end of the very last episode. And it's such a beautiful song. And I don't know. I watched the clip on YouTube just because I loved seeing the song in context. Um, if you heard U2's With or Without You, could you not think of Rachel Green crying? And season one of Friends, thinking about Ross. Uh, like, if well, if you watched Parenthood, if you haven't, I'm so jealous of you. If you have, 
You know what I'm talking about when Iron and Wine covers Forever Young, and I won't say the spoiler of this very important moment, when that cover comes on of the theme song and you just want to curl up in a ball and cry for days. I, um, I could go on and on and on. Even I could, I could toss it back to the Wonder Years, the first time I ever heard When a Man Loves a Woman, when I believe Kevin and Winnie Cooper kissed for the first time on that rock. And I, oh gosh, I just, I loved watching the Wonder Years on Nick at Night. It was my favorite show. That dad in the Wonder Years is like the spitting image of the cartoon of Helga Pataki's dad in Hey Arnold. And yes, that is the second week in a row I've brought up Hey Arnold. And no, I'm not happy about it. Uh, I, uh, I also was just watching um, <laughs> uh, this, this, this bride and her bridal party dance. This very, very long, six, seven minute long choreographed dance. And the girl looked like Winnie Cooper, which is why I think about it. And, you know, I, I, I want to, you know, hashtag women supporting women, but I, I can't, I don't think the woman who makes her woman bridesmaids do choreography is supporting women. So therefore, like, I cannot support her is, is basically that's the viewpoint I just decided on. Because if you want your moment in the spotlight, I understand that. And you can do your own dance or you and your husband should dance. Like, do what you want at your wedding. I'm in support of doing what you want. But I'm not in support of forcing it onto other people, especially in the event it makes them really uncomfortable. Super sexual dance moves make a lot of people uncomfortable. The choreography, period, makes a lot of people uncomfortable. To have all your bridesmaids, one of which being like definitely in her third trimester, crawling on the floor, Jason Derulo's Swalla, while you make eyes at your 17-year-old looking husband who is equal parts mortified and terrified because clearly the bride runs, runs the show in this relationship he just looks like a person who is you know exhausted (laughs) exhausted watching this dance and exhausted thinking of his life that will be a metaphor of a show about her just like this dance and the problem is like the the wedding choreography is a little cringy regardless but when the people are actual dancers it's fine you just you have to make sure everybody in your bridal party is a legit dancer because if there's one or two that aren't it's very obvious they're very uncomfortable. They probably are nervous and sweating all day just thinking about hitting those those eight counts. And um, but, the, but this is particularly cringy because the bride has this the 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 rhythm, the swagger of a a teacher in like a faculty dance at a high school pep rally, like you know, trying to show off their wild side. She she really really was was lacking in both skills and charisma and just like general. Um, I don't know. The, the air felt needy. It felt attention-seeking. It didn't feel like this is a, something I've loved my whole life. This is something my friends and I wanted to do for you. It just felt like, look at me. I'm your hot wife. I'm going to run your life. I have zero self-awareness that everyone around me is super uncomfortable. At one point, there's a man slumped in the corner. And somebody on my Facebook group pointed him out. I had never noticed before. But like, I think he might have died. <laughs> RIP, but like, that's how bad it was. I, I think he might have just given up right then and there, and that is a dark place. And a wedding is not a, a time or place to, to make yourself the object of, of Cringe Fest 2018. I, uh, I, I, I obviously talked about my wedding, and that was the majority of the thing of it was toasts, and I did a long poem and stuff that, yeah, sure, objectively could be cringy to people, and I don't care. I, I do think you should do what you want and not really care what other people think. It's just like, if your great uncles are there, like, do you need to be, turn your friend group into the pussycat dolls? Do, like, do you need to change into a short cocktail length, I guess, wedding dress with a crocheted macrame back or something? I'm forgetting now. 
and, you know, a kitten heel and all of a sudden pretend like you're on Dancing with the Stars, but it's the first week and you're about to definitely get kicked off. I just don't really, I don't get the point, but I have been fairly open about my dream in life is to go to one of these weddings where this happens. I don't think I know anybody directly because they'd probably be too scared to invite me if that was their plan. But I'm a nice girl. I would never say anything in person to your face. I wouldn't record it. I wouldn't put it online. If I, if I knew anybody, I would never shame them. But I would enjoy every cringy minute. I would, have, I would get two drinks before. I would stand there double fisting, taking a shot every time. You know, one of the bridesmaids missed an eight count and slowly collect bets from the audience as to how long each of these friendships are going to last following this event. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I sound so mean. I really, I just think it's cruel. It's cruel. I would be so uncomfortable. The, the, this dancing was really intense. I mean, they, they, they got down on the floor, spread their legs, and like slapped the side of their thigh while she twerked. It was, it was, it was a lot. It was a lot. Uh, speaking of a lot, I, I let my husband listen to, well, snippets of two podcast episodes because he had never heard it before. And I asked people on Instagram, like, if he listened to one, episode what would you do and i got the same recommendation so i i I put on some of it (laughs) and it is a special form of torture to a hear your own voice and b have somebody you love hear and like potentially critique your own voice and then you realize you put stuff out in the universe that like isn't reversible and you're just like embarrassed by yourself um and it was very funny but never again i had my hood up i had my glasses on i was just I, i couldn't handle it um, but one of the first things he said, he was like, oh, I think it's, it's great. There's a, 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 a lot going on. Like, he was like, I can't react because things are moving very quickly. And I was like, yeah, I know. But the problem is I'm not going to insert my own pauses because I don't know what people think is funny. And I know what I think is funny. You can hear me laugh or hear me like kind of cut out my laughter. But I, 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 I don't know. I feel like a pause is to like, but I'm and I'm not going to force that upon you. So just like hit the 10 seconds back button on, on podcast. You know, there's like that little arrow near the controls that says 10. This means you hop back 10 seconds. That's how I do it. I, uh, I have been told that this moves a little fast before. And long story short, the two episodes that I was told to play on one, I talk about how heavily I talk, stalk the people my sister dates and about how um, when I first started dating him, I did a deep, deep scroll back to 2005 to make sure I, you know, knew everything about every one of his exes and, uh, you know, things I guess I just had never really told him face to face. So that was fun and new. Um, and the second one, I talked about, you know, uh, the importance of not holding yourself hostage to the goals you had out of context when you were younger. I, I feel passionately about encouraging people to have the to be brave enough to change their mind. And um, we were listening to it and he was like, oh, this is really good. This is good advice. Like, um, you know, th- this is great to hear. And then I go, you know, I can understand what it's like to, uh, <laughs> to not feel like you're at the same life stage as everybody else. I mean, when Greg was my boyfriend and we had been dating for five years and he hadn't proposed yet, I didn't want to leave my house. I was like, get to stepping, buddy. We were on boats. We were on planes. We were in Europe. Uh, he would get down to tie a shoe. I'd have a full manicure for fresh for years at a time just because i didn't know and i just go into this whole thing he's like um uh whoa get to step in like sorry for being thoughtful sorry for taking time sorry for like having your ring made and i was like no you know it's interesting because i wouldn't change anything now 
And that was how I felt. But you don't really say that to somebody like right after you get engaged, you're not like, it's about time. And if you do, that's a problem. And I would suggest, you know, you don't take from the joy. But anyways, he was laughing. He wasn't mad. It was just funny that like, I don't, I don't feel like I talk about him that much or I'll tell funny stories. Like, you know, I made sure not to, tell, to play the one where I told the story of how he thought Lord, the singer, went to Michigan because that's just embarrassing. <laughs> and, um, but I did accidentally play too, where I talked about him in a way that just was like a little bit extreme, even though I'm not, I really don't think I'm that extreme. And yeah, lesson learned, never playing again. You will just have to assume that the reviews, I proudly march in the room and read him aloud and clear my throat and basically like open a scroll in front of him so he'll pay attention. I'll have to take those words for it because every time I get a glowing review, you betcha. Screenshotting, parents, Greg, like I just, for the people that know me that I don't want them to listen to my stuff because it's too embarrassing and it creatively affects me, I just need them to know other people like it for my own validation. And I just am a person that needs a lot of reassurance and it is what it is. <laughs> but you can't stick it in the wrong places. I, I think we, we seek too much professional or creative reassurance from our, our, our spouses or people too close to us. And their, their opinion inherently has an element of them being also fearful of you taking a creative risk. And they speak from a place of trying to protect you too often. So, you know, just always something to, to, to think about. What, what was I? Oh, um, right. The, the wedding dance video, Winnie Cooper. Winnie Cooper looks like the girl from the wedding dance video, Wonder Years, When a Man Loves a Woman. Yes. Lived for Nick and Knight. Um, and I was also watching, like, Nick News. That's where I got all my information about everything I learned about El Nino. I learned about Elian Gonzalez. I was just like a, a encyclopedia of current events because of Linda Ellerby. Little did I know, I was probably watching the future princess, Meghan Markle, fight for dish soap. And I was just sitting there, like, I don't know, playing with my nano baby, or that was a knockoff Tamagotchi, I never got the real thing, or um, my Casio My Private Diary. I had a lot of semi-electronic gifts, but I wasn't full-on Sega Genesis. I also was really... uh, I'd spend a lot of time strategizing what I would do if I if I won the Toys R Us Super Toy Run. Do you remember that thing? It was like Supermarket Sweep. Was it a contest or was it a game show? People wore matching shirts and they got carts and they just got to storm a Toys R Us store and pick out anything they wanted. And it looked like an absolute dream. And I, I, I spent a lot of time thinking about which aisles I'd hit, the pace I'd go. Do I put the big items at the bottom or at the top? Do I go for the more expensive items and, you know, hope they have resale value? Or do I go for the limited editions that will at a later date be rare and therefore have more value? I just, I don't know. I, I just remember feeling frustrating watching the kids waste their time with the boxes and the board games and, you know, the smaller items like go straight to the back, the big ticket items. You got, you need the power wheels. You need the huffy bikes, video games, resale value, folks, resale values and things your parents are never going to get you. All I wanted in life was a power wheel. All I wanted in life was a miniature Jeep Wrangler to ride down the street to my friend Elise's house. Was that so much to ask? Apparently, I, I, I never got one. I, if the, Mason Dash Disick has about 12. I'm pretty sure Penelope, she has a G-Wagon. <laughs> in miniature form. Penelope's a real star. She really is. I, I, have, I have really high hopes for her. I hope she has Courtney's deadpan vibe with Scott's playful personality and humor, just minus the, you know, self-destructive tendencies. It re- she really could be, be a big star. But anyway, when I, um, hey, and I kid, I actually am grateful that we weren't drowning in toys fun run style because I can see as a parent 
all I ever, all I do, all the live long day, besides paint rugs and make prints and try to the secret myself to some semblance of of success. All I do is try to occupy my dog. He's just like head up, looking around. What are you doing? Where are you going? What do you like? What do you know? What'd you do today? Can you can you rub my belly? Can you rub my leg? My paw hurts. It's shaking a little bit. I'm sniffing. Oh, there's a crumb there. Oh my God, soaring across the room. I think I saw an intruder. Oh wait, it's a piece of dust. He's just like all up in my grill and I love him, but like all I want him to do is be occupied. And I can see myself having kids, especially in the city when I don't have a yard and just needing them to be occupied. And how do you do that? Toys. I just go to the home goods and, and super toy fun run for a tugboat. And I'm like, a hedgehog, a miniature umbrella, a taco. That's a hoot. Ooh, a ball that squeaks that I can only use when Greg's not home. And I just, I get way too much stuff. He destroys it. I throw it away. Rinse. Repeat. And uh, anyway, I can see how parents would just like flood their kids with stuff. And I feel like because I wasn't flooded with stuff, I had to be creative to uh, entertain myself. I'm not a natural nuisance, believe it or not. I'm, I'm not like, I, if there's not a lot going on, I'm not going to bother people to talk to me. I'll just retreat. So I'd sit in my room. Write in my diary. I drew a lot. I made a lot of posters. I wrote a lot of poems. I, I, that's how I foster my creativity. So I'm grateful for the lack of toys, but also mm, secretly low key bitter about people that did. And when I first went to my husband's house that he grew up in, I was fascinated because they had a pool and a trampoline and a hot tub and like go karts. And I'm told, you know, several power wheels. And it was just, you know, everything I ever begged for to occupy myself but didn't have yeah my husband's kind of like a minimalist in that sense like I, I he's just not a person that would like ever have things to to great excess so it's it's just interesting how it could really go either way because like none of my siblings and I were allowed to watch tv in our rooms for example none of us had tvs growing up now we all have tvs in our room and like pr- watch a large chunk of television from our bed and I think it's just because we can or like I couldn't have soda any day but Friday. But now it's like, you know, morning, noon and night. I hear that crisp can of Diet Coke opening and I'm filled with joy uh, being. It's just it's interesting how being denied something just adds an, an element of novelty that for some never fades. And with that, I'd say I'm grateful because I think a lot of my childhood was made better due to limitations, due to like pacing myself, because I as a person get really excited and really into things and I'm not great at self-regulation. So, you know, it all worked out. I don't know if anyone's better off for having a power wheel or not. And I, I totally can see both sides, like the importance of limits and the also, well, especially like, you know, I judge celebrities and random things on here all the time. But when it comes to judging the actions of parents or people you see in public whether their kids having a tantrum or whether they do or don't spoil their kids or whatever it's kind of like the world's a much more peaceful place if you just assume people are always doing the best they can at that given moment and somebody's best at one moment could be your worst at another and vice versa like i assume a lot of people's worst least productive day is like my best day just because i'm a bit disorganized it's uh, such a chore for me to get through so much of the stuff i need to do and uh you know, but that's that's me. So even though the threshold ebbs and flows for different people, you just can't get overly frustrated when people are misbehaving in public. If it's chronic, sure. If they're your family, yeah. If they swing from the chandeliers, 
I understand, unless they're, you know, being Sia for Halloween, in which case that is an appropriate use of household props. But whether you think it's excessive or not, I think I'll probably still spring for the power wheel for my kid when it comes time that if, if I have a child, if anything, just so I can ride it. And if I am over the weight limit, that's just a great excuse for me to lose weight, go on a diet, lose the baby weight. I wouldn't get like a G-Wagon or a Range Rover, though, or even a Wrangler feels a little high-end, and I don't want to suggest that I think those roll bars work for a second. If I, I don't know, if I got my kid a Power Wheel, it would be like a Toyota Corolla. It would, or I I don't know, a Kia Sophia. Maybe um, like a Honda Civic even seems a little too much. I I just really want, you know, uh, my kid to understand that you know barbie and her pink wrangler and all that like she's got it easy you know who has a tough mid-level management and they drive hyundai sonatas and that is fine that that is fine that that is a great goal to strive for and that is okay and it's still just like you play teacher you can also play mid-level businesswoman or man whichever my kids want to be and if i have a boy and a girl to teach my boy a lesson i'm going to take one wheel off of his power wheel and so he only has 75 percent of what my daughter businesswoman has and see how he feels trying to drive that car around see how he feels trying to perform the same tasks with only 75 percent of what he needs and you know hopefully that'll teach him a lesson about equal pay i hope by the time he's older we've made some strides my god Uh, but I i honestly think it's gotten worse in, in moving the past month and then helping my sister move and like working with brokers and stuff i mean sexism is alive and it's well and it's thriving and it is so frustrating because when i push like an example is a broker when i pushed back on something he was asking that was absurd i eat a send a crap ton of money before their elise was even shown to me it was i was told to relax to relax for wanting paperwork prior to a monetary transaction that is the stuff i cannot and will not stand for and i just it's i'm so torn on what to do in these situations because i want their job affected i want their boss speaking to them i want them to know that they can't speak to women like this especially in the event they talk to the wrong person who then gets taken advantage of because they don't really understand the situation i've talked about this before how i get really heated and everyone's always telling me like that to not be mad and to pick my battles and to take the high road and i'm just like but if we're all taking the high road all the time then what what's it all for but like what is anybody learning if if i can prevent this guy from calling one less woman an idiot or forcing somebody to pay them a, a ton of money without seeing a legal document that like that's what i'd rather spend my time doing it's so I don't know. That's what's so confusing to me is, is the argument for peace and acceptance and high roads versus no, that's the lazy thing to do. I want to make sure this doesn't happen to other people. <sighs> I know I talked about this before, but this guy just made me so upset. He was I, I found out later that half the stuff he told me, he was just like making up answers to questions. Yeah, you, you can't you can't have a job where people pay you money and make up answers to questions. How, how is that not something that, yeah, that needs consequences? Oof. Uh, truly, this guy was Amelia Bedelia. He he was so dense. He he took everything so literally, and I, not that I was speaking to him in excessive figures of speech, but like he didn't understand like house terms, and uh, I was like, 
asking if they have a garbage disposal. And I think he was literally thinking I meant a trash chute and didn't know that it was like a separate appliance. Truly, I, I mean, I freaking love Amelia Bedea. I, I don't want to tarnish her name by associating her with this bro broker. This broker. Oh, and that should be a thing. Um, that, she was a crazy bitch, that Amelia Bedelia. I loved her. She, she was so funny that the family would like write her a list of chores and she, they'd all, and they would all be like, I guess, kind of figures of speech, even though we don't even think of them as figures of speech. So they'd tell her to draw the drapes and she'd sit there with a sketch pad and draw the drapes. They'd tell her to dust the furniture and she'd get out like a full air, air spun finishing powder white puff and put, put makeup powder all over the furniture. They'd tell her to dress the turkey, and she'd put the turkey in these adorable, like, corduroy shore dolls. It was hysterical. I love Amelia Bedelia. And the family never fired her, because they were kind of like, oh, bless her heart. And she made really good pies, which is important. Speaking of pie, actually, this is a good segue. Again, my sister is moving to Chicago, and I'm so excited not only to have a family member here, but... She got an awesome job and is like crushing it. And she is just, I don't know. She's my idol. She's really, um, she started as a kindergarten teacher and, uh, right after college, she went to college for early education and like has just skyrocketed her way through different jobs, gaining different experience and has parlayed it into this incredible corporate learning and development HR type role that she's is, is a compounded elements of all the jobs she's had over time and I just think she's an amazing example of somebody that didn't put herself in a box and I think a lot of times when you have a you study a certain subject and then you get in a job and you're like oh I don't want to do this my whole life I think that's the hard part about majoring in education or medicine or a specific trade that has a pretty clear-cut path I think it's great when you are an example of somebody who not only proves you can pivot but just tries in the first place it's a lot easier just to accept what it is than to think that there's better out there for you. And um, she's a person that constantly places bets on herself and does riskier, more nerve wracking things than I could ever do. And they always pay off. And I'm incredibly proud of her. And I'm incredibly excited to have her here for her friendship, but also her ability to make friends with other people. Oh, and her pies. That's why, I would, that's why I brought this up. She makes really good baked goods and like, you know, mama loves some pumpkin bread. And uh, she, she makes, she's like a person that will see someone in passing and they'll have like a standing brunch date for the rest of time. I feel like I email or text people several times over to hang out and I can't really get a response. But everywhere she goes, she makes the best of friends. And um, I'm excited to therefore have friends by the transitive property should those friends allow her to bring me around that's one two weeks ago I was saying you know I have trouble with book clubs because I need to do spark notes because I don't really like to read but then is it weird if you like cheat a, a friendship thing even though your intentions are good I'm I just I just want to drink wine on a weeknight and not feel weird about it I, I just want to enjoy a well-assembled cheese plate from all the people who forgot to actually make something for the potluck so they just picked up different levels of aging uh, on Gouda from the Whole Foods and Trader Joe's closest to their house. That is a perfect party to me. And uh, I just want to be a part of it. And I don't want to have to read to do that. But otherwise, is it weird to ask 10 girls that don't know each other well to come to your house on a Tuesday and all get super drunk? A little bit. You, you need a reason. You need a bachelorette party. And by bachelorette party, I mean the show. Or you need a book club. But maybe I'm, I'll like reinvent the book club and it'll be like the, the Daily Mail Club. <laughs> 
Read all the pop culture trades. Come to my house on Tuesday and let's gab. Oh my gosh, could that be any lamer? I'm like trying to vouch for women's rights. And I'm like, let's discuss the most vapid topic on the face of the earth together. Um, but yeah, she, uh, I, I, I'm just like getting super psyched for my hypothetical, super strong friend group that we do everything together. We go to concerts. We like do weekends in Wisconsin. We, we, you know, we, we go to happy hours to get the cheap drinks before seven o'clock hits. It's going to be a blast. And I don't know that she knows that I'm inserting myself in all these hypothetical plans, but I'm hoping she'll invite me along. And yes, I have lived here for over six years and somehow do not have said network. But, you know, some people are just um, connectors. There's some people that are just great connectors of people and they're great at making plans. And like, I'm just too nervous to ask somebody to hang out because what if they don't want to hang out? And then when I do and they don't respond, I'm scarred for life. I, that, that is something I'm not good at that I do need to improve upon. And I have made some great friends this past year um, whose company I've really enjoyed. And it, it all from just like reaching out, following up. It, it's, it's, it's a miracle when you stop taking stuff personally and find out that people just forgot because I am the worst at responding to people all the time, always. Because I read something when I can't respond and then I just straight up forget because I'm not organized. Um, but anyway, I... Uh, I'm excited for the friendship, the family, the pies, uh, going through Bumble accounts to find her uh, a suitor to, to put on a disguise in restaurants and to watch her dates from afar. I think she mentioned in the Facebook group, oh, you guys need to join our Facebook group. It's called Be There in Fives Totally Normal. No, <clears throat> Be There in Fives Totally Casual Breezy Facebook group because, you know, it's a reasonably short and easy to remember name that I can't even remember. I just wanted people to know we're cash. You know, uh, it's honestly, it's, it, it's, I don't want any pressure around it. I just, if people want to talk about podcast topics, I want a place where we like all can connect and, you know, have this common thread because it's, even though there's groups for literally everything under the sun and they all horrify me because their drama is terrifying and they like do really weird things. I've been in groups before where like somebody will be like, Hey ladies, Oh, like I kissed another guy and I don't know if I should tell my boyfriend or not. And like these freaking trolls will reach out to the boyfriend that they find through their Facebook profile and like just do mean things for fun. And that's when I lose faith in humanity and I'm not effing with those people. And the second there's any element of drama, I'm shutting the whole thing down because I don't, I don't want to use the internet for crap like that. I want to only use it for its perks. And uh, one of its many perks is meeting all the awesome people I have to listen to this. And uh, I love hearing for you. And I also did reveal part of my secret project on that Facebook group. It was revealed on Patreon in March, the people that paid me a dollar, because you're the real stars. And uh, Facebook, you know, once I realized, wow, these people are nice and loyal and they care, I felt I, I owed them something. I, I, I want there to be an exchange of value here. So, so long as uh, you're supporting me, I will try to always reciprocate in whatever way I can. Um, and uh, anyway, yeah, my sister was saying in the Facebook group how uh, I am fairly diligent about the researching the people she dates and i am and i'm also diligent about the people that uh she breaks up with or break up with her especially if it's in a fashion that i don't like and um i've i've gone so far as like if i don't have direct contacts with somebody and they wrong her but we've had a passing venmo transaction i will then go give them a piece of my mind in the form of a venmo comment uh, you can't escape me. If you're going to involve me, I'm going to give you a piece of my mind, even when she says I can't. Well, and usually she does say I can't, like, I'll call her and be like, hey, girl, um, you know, I just, there, uh, there's just this Venmo transaction burning a hole in my phone. 
that's a direct line of contact with your ex that I hate. And like, can I please just send him drink money and just, you know, something simple, something light, something, you know, uh, here's here's some money so you can take my friend out for a drink. Her name is Karma, and I heard she's a real bitch. Best of luck. I don't know. It's not threatening. It's not even clever. It's just, you know, this guy had sent me money to buy myself a drink because he and my sister had gotten in some tip that she talked to me about. So he was like, thanks for, you know, being a sounding board or something like that. And then, of course, you know, when she was wronged, I sent back the money and just made a quick comment that said, you know, keep keep the money. I'd rather choose from one of the many men in line dying to date a girl like her who isn't so complicated that they require so much discussion over drinks like you're you're like kidding me sending me money because you're you're such a freaking head case that it stresses out the person you're dating who then has to vent to their sister like gfy okay sorry enough of my rage i just you know i think maybe edwin mccain is what's you know the problem because he guys like him just don't exist i mean uh, was it no i was gonna say it was when pacey and joey kissed but maybe that's no that was a different scene i do know that it was in um a cinderella story a really important film with hillary duff and chad michael murray not to be confused with another so cinderella story starring selena gomez and actually uh <laughs> um i saw jane lynch uh, most people probably my age or younger would know from Glee. Um, she was coach. I don't even know the coach name. I did. I, I wasn't a Gleek, as, as one might say, though I am invested and intrigued by the passing of Corey Monteith and Leah Michelle having no idea about his addictions and me being pretty sure that that was not a real relationship. A la Rob Pattinson and Kristen Stewart, a la Zac Efron and Vanessa Hudgens, a la any other couple promoting any franchise ever. Um, but anyway, I, um, I saw Jane Lynch in a restaurant, hovered a bit, waiting till she got out. She couldn't have been nicer. And for some reason, I believe I said to her, I'm a huge fan of another Cinderella story. I think it's your finest work. And she laughed pretty hard. And, you know, I think I, I was kind of kidding. But, like, I wasn't trying to insult her. That'd be kind of effed up to, you know, go up to, I don't know, like, Anne Hathaway and be like, oh my god, is it you? The the less likable character from Bride Wars in the flesh? I do like that movie. Uh, and that's patronizing, because like, clearly that's not her best movie. She was in like, Les Mis and stuff and won an Oscar, very unlikably. But, you know, pay- I don't think Princess Diaries or The D Wears P would be patronizing, because like, those are beloved movies relative to Bride Wars. I, I don't know. It was like a, it was kind of a funny celebrity encounter. And I don't always know what to say, though I did sit next to Army Hammer on a plane once, and we exchanged pleasantries. And he's a person that's so good-looking. It's like, he couldn't not be a movie star. It'd be one thing if I, you know, there's people that could, like, potentially blend. You know, like, if you sat next to a Michael Sarah type, no, he's pretty recognizable. Who's, like, a, a dude that blends in like a jake johnson from new girl maybe like just kind of a normal guy it's one thing but like army hammer is so tall and so beautiful and his skin is like butter and his eyes are like the sea and i'm so glad my husband doesn't listen to this podcast 
Um, he just is a gorgeous human. And it's like nobody that looks like that just like wouldn't be doing something with their looks. So it's not like I could play it off like, yeah, how are you? Uh, can I have some elbow room, please? Oh, yeah. Diet Coke. Thanks. Can I use your napkin? Oh, can, can I pass you my can? I can't reach the flight attendant. You can't really like act cool because he'd be like, do you see my flawless complexion? Are, are you understanding my impeccably meticulous side part with just the right amount of product? And you're still telling me to touch your used cup and hand it to the flight attendant? That wouldn't happen. Um, but anyway, the only thing I could think of him being in was Gossip Girl. <laughs> and, uh, I'm so glad I didn't say anything. His wife, Elizabeth Chambers, who I did a deep dive on with after seeing her on the plane as well and then buying the in-flight Wi-Fi because I had to know everything, um, asked the person next to her to switch so she could sit with her husband and then moved her husband back with her. And, you know, I want to think it's because she was also threatened by my eyes like the sea and buttery complexion that, you know, is less buttery than it is, you know, iridescent and bordering on veiny. But I don't know. She could have been jealous. She was so beautiful, too. She also didn't look like a normal person. And I actually didn't see Army before the plane. I saw the wife and I, I, I thought to myself, she is or is with somebody famous. Like. Hair is so thick. Wearing an airport heel. Nobody normal wears an airport heel. If you are, you're like a business consultant traveler and you're usually wearing like a pretty modest, you know, nude pump, maybe a pointy toed pump, you know, Maybe an occasional like heel boot, but she was wearing like, you know, a full on Manolo situation with like a relaxed, torn boyfriend jean and like an off the shoulder top with like a full, huge head of, of wavy hair and like a Chanel bag and a tiny dog. And it, it was just it was the whole thing. So anyway, I never told him that, um, you know, I loved his work in Gossip Girl. And as soon as he left, I was like, God, he was in the social network. Ah, he's the Lone Ranger. Never going to see that, but I hear it's important. And since then, he's had some pretty uh, big roles, and I'm happy for him, even though he is from the family of Arm and Hammer, and I don't really think he needs us. I'm looking on my iPhone because I keep a running note of the times in my life when I've run into famous people. Uh, oh, Nikki Hilton. <laughs> wow. Wow, guys. Huge. Bobby Flay. Where did I meet Bobby Flay? Oh, yeah, I was at a trade show. At the same trade show, I met Brian Williams from NBC, RIP his career. Is he back? I don't know. I like his daughter. Uh, the Mayhem dude, who was also, but I was excited because he was Dennis from 30 Rock, but he was there because I was in an advertising convention and Allstate was like, meet the Mayhem dude. And I was like, the Mayhem dude, this is Dennis the Beeper King. Are you guys kidding me? Um, <laughs> this list is so sad. I saw. <laughs> I saw Doyle from Gilmore Girls. Doyle. Not even Paris. Doyle. Paris's short boyfriend Doyle on the subway in New York. And I was like starstruck. I did not. I couldn't go up to Doyle. What was I going to say? I love your fast talking banter with Paris. Your uh, ability to stand up for Rory at the newspaper when she was, in fact, being a pretty terrible employee and uh, flirting with Logan and spending too much time, you know, on stories that may or may not lead somewhere. And then risking her journalistic integrity by becoming part of the secret society what was it like the skull and bones the live free or die hard the what were they called this life and death brigade oh that was like the one of the best gilmore girls episodes of all time um i saw tara reed in venice separately from a different time i saw christina Hendricks in venice both just walking down an alley saw john lithgow at o'hare 
saw Todd Chrisley on an airplane. Um, <laughs> what else do I have? Oh, uh, Mark Sugar Ray's Mark McGrath stood in front of my husband in line at uh, the airport, and I thought to myself, wow, you know, 1996 me having a heart attack. 2016 me having a heart attack. Both of my loves from different eras merging at once, one a little more spray tanned and puffy faced than the other, but still present nonetheless. It was a great moment for me. I saw Sean Penn walking out of the Capitol. Uh, kind of weird. I was there on a work trip and he just literally walks out of like one of the Congress wings. Like he had just been there meeting with somebody. Isn't that kind of weird? No security, no nothing. Um, I saw, oh yeah, I met Juliana Rancic several times and she is nothing short of lovely. I hear mixed things about her, but she's been so sweet to me. And she, so I frequent a local liquor store because they do a lot of free tastings. This one time I saw a sign she was going to be there and she was coming out with a wine or something. <coughs> I thought it was when I like, I don't know, a few years ago, I had just started to be there in five, still trying to get the word out. You know, I'm not good at sending cold emails or calling or promoting myself. So I thought I'm just going to go in person and be like, hey, I'm a local business owner, which is weird because it's something I probably wouldn't even do now. Um, I make her a mat. I would wait in line and I give it to her and I was like, hey, I love your show, Juliana and Bill. Like you've always been so supportive of Chicago and business owners. I know Bill's an entrepreneur and I am too. And I don't know, here's just something for you. Welcome back to Chicago. She had just moved or was about to move and was like leaving E. And this was before her Zendaya scandal. Um, and uh, she could not have been nicer, more gracious. She like sat and talked to me for a while. She took a photo with me. Um, and it was actually the second time I had met her. and. Uh, Long story short, like a month and a half later, my Instagram starts blowing up and she had posted a photo of one of my mats that said, have the best day ever. And ironically, it was my birthday. And ironically, I was so hung up on Juliana posting this that back in the day when I used to get press, especially when this was like a newer concept and people were really like into, I was getting a lot of press for the turn off your straightener and curling iron mats. Um, Every time like a celebrity or a news outlet or something posted one, I had to go into like overdrive, renewing listings that would sell out, making sure all my stuff was tagged. There's a touch point where when you post something, if it's not properly tagged and linked back to me, it's a complete lost opportunity. So I used to spend all my time like hunting down like betches and like sites like that that would post my junk and not tag me. And it was just so frustrating because all it did was give people ideas to copy it and give no credit to the actual person. Um, but anyway, so I was like in overdrive, like so excited that she had posted it and like she gets paid serious money to do promotional work. All I did was give her a gift a month and a half before. And I'm sure she gives, gets a lot of gifts and like link to the shop. And um, I was so obsessive, like obsessive about this at the time. My boyfriend, then boyfriend, Greg, now husband, um, was trying to get me to come outside because we were going out to dinner for my birthday. And it was so weird. That she chose the best day ever, Matt, which I did not give her. And it happened to be my birthday, which is already a best day ever. And that while I was doing all this coordination after she had posted, and I was so excited and I was delaying going outside. My um, then boyfriend was outside in a tuxedo waiting to propose to me. So it really was the best day ever. It was like very weird. She's very in a, in a very integral part of our story. And I've always hoped I'd run into her to tell her that because it kind of was like a very weird timing. And um, I really appreciated her doing that. I thought that was really cool. And there was really nothing in it for her. 
Um, and the other time I met her was at one of their restaurants. And I, I honest, I love the reality show Joanna and Bill. Like, regardless of what you think about her, that show was really entertaining. And what I liked about it was I, I felt like they made marriage look cool. Like all these other shows were like, man, the old ball and chain, like, oh, gotta hang out with my hubby. Like, what a drag. Oh, my husband's so cheap. Like, I, just, I don't know. Yeah, like, oh, house hunting. All she cares about are closets. Like, I just hate that crap. And um, I felt like Juliana and Bill were like nice to each other and respected each other and were grateful to have found each other. And even though they moved a lot and some of the plot lines were old and annoying, she was honest about infertility. She was honest about cancer. And I just, I don't know, I thought it was a very layered, entertaining reality show that I really enjoyed watching at the time, especially being that I had just moved to Chicago. And I also am from the Mid-Atlantic, just like her. I also got married in Italy. And uh, I also have a Midwest husband that is, mm, sometimes does feel questionable about my spending habits, but, uh, you know, we just can relate on a lot of levels. Um, So anyway, that was a long story about Juliana. Oh, I had met her at one of her restaurants, and... I, people were all like talking to them. It kind of passed her. And I was like, hi, I'm Kate. I love your show. I love E. Um, can you take a quick photo? And she was like, I am so sorry. Uh, Bill's calling me. Like, I have to go do something. I promise I'll come find you. And I was like, oh, great. Rejected by another celebrity. Um, and uh, then later I was walking back to, um, from the bathroom or something and they were leaving and she makes that contact with me again and bill's like we gotta go and she's like oh that girl over there like she's been waiting she asked me a while ago i'm gonna go grab like i saw her mouthing this to bill and then grab me and take a photo with me that's so beyond unnecessary and kind and i just always want to share that with people because she really was a really nice um person the jonas brothers i did not meet but they're on my list because on greg and i's second date it was like our second or third date. And I think I mentioned this before. One of the reasons I really liked Greg when I met him was because he took me out on Valentine's Day, which is a, a date a lot of guys would avoid like the plague if they didn't want to, you know, commit or give you the wrong idea or whatever. I just feel like Valentine's Day is too coupley for some people. But I thought it was really cool and gentlemanly to be like, I am semi dating a girl and it is a Valentine's and Valentine's Day is near. And the gentlemanly thing to do is to take her out and not project onto her that she'll do, you know, girly things and make assumptions and think we're like getting married. I didn't. I just really wanted to be taken out. And it was really sweet. And um, he took me to see the movie Valentine's Day on Valentine's Day, which I also thought was really funny because I had mentioned that I liked, you know, rom-coms. And that it looked so bad, but that, you know, it was pandering clearly to the Valentine's crowd. And I just wanted to go see it. So he took me to go see that. And then after we went to Taco Bell, because, you know, I don't know if you're aware of this little place called Manhattan, but it's it's not known for its its eateries. <laughs> and uh, clearly Taco Bell was the best choice. <laughs> um, and then we go hang out at his apartment and he um, proceeds to show me a website. And I don't I don't know if I've told the story. Sorry. Fast forward if I have. He shows me a website that at the time was like a revelation. It was called Chat Roulette. And it was basically like a roulette of FaceTime where you get on your computer's video chat and it just like around the world pops different people up that you can talk to. And um, the Jonas Brothers came up. And while it could have been fake. We saw them like tweet the next day or something that they were on chat roulette last night. And we did get them at one point Though we didn't talk to them because we had a black screen because we were creeped out by it. Because, you know, as you can imagine, chat roulette is a lot less about, you know, connecting with other people and a lot more about just like flashing your genitalia. So 
it's a real who's who for all the pervs of the world. But uh, for the rest of us, we just want to see who's out there. It was like it was actually really fun, really weird date between the crunch wraps and the wieners. But uh, hey, we're married now. So what are you going to do? <laughs> anyway, um, oof, this is almost an hour. Don't know what we've been talking about. I don't even know why I just went through my celebrity iPhone. note. That was kind of fun, though, going down memory lane. I feel like I'm missing something. Oh, yeah. I was at the same wedding as um, Dakota Johnson um, from Fifty Shades of Grey. She now dates Chris Martin. Her dad's Don Johnson. Her mom's Melanie Griffith. And she was so nice. And I feel like this would be a lot more fun if I met people that were mean, but I've really never met somebody that was mean aside from Army Hammer's wife that was clearly so threatened by my looks. Um, She, no, Dakota was really nice. I was in the bathroom and I bent down to fix my shoe buckle and I whipped my head up and hit my nose on um, like a towel bar. And then I come out of the bathroom with not with like my nose bridge bleeding and a little flustered. And um, yes, Dakota is there. And uh, she was like, oh, my God, are you OK? And I was like, yeah, oh, my God, fine, breezy, great, doing good, never been better. How are you? Need any like help in any of your upcoming projects or work or friend to bring to your mom's house? Uh-huh. Just kidding. I was cool. I, I knew that she was going to be there because I we have a mutual friend. and. Um, but she was so nice, and I just, like, it's just so me to have my one interaction with her be when I just rammed my head into a towel bar. So, uh, what can you do? She was a doll. I mean, and in her, I, I, my parents were both movie stars, and then, like, I was a movie star, and I was, like, dating the singer of, like, Fix You. I'd probably be a huge jerk, so props to her for being a really nice girl who seemed genuinely concerned about the bridge of my nose. And with that, I guess I should get get to Steppen, gang. We've come a long way from the 18s. We really have. And you know, you might think I'm going to play you Edwin McCain because I did talk about that so much throughout this episode because I was really fixated on the song. Um, but really, I think I want to go a different route. I, I Even though it is the 4th of July and I should be supporting the great American, you know, artists who we have, I'm going to go back to Sweden and... Uh, Give props to Robin. And now I'm not going to play Dancing on My Own. That girls, the show on HBO, I think really ran into the ground a little bit much. I feel like that became the song for like, you know, if you're wearing a fishnet top and you accidentally did some psychedelic drugs and you're really feeling yourself type of moments. Never experienced one, but isn't that what Lena Dunham was doing? Um, But I am a much bigger fan of Show Me Love, which as far as I was concerned was her debut signal single into my life and also the debut of a woman who was nicely pulling off a asymmetric pixie cut far before Kate Gosselin ever destroyed that for all of us. And I know last week I said that I was going to talk more about some of the like crazy stuff. And I, I have to stop saying next week I'm going to discuss X because then I don't because I just don't know what I'm going to feel like next week. And this week I'm very uh, stressed and I don't feel like talking about heavy material. It just really depends on like when I'm connecting with certain topics or not. And if I'm not, then it just doesn't land. And I'll just continue to surprise you with what I talk about week to week, I guess. Um, but I hope you're still enjoying this. If so, please rate, review, make yourself a unique username in the settings on iTunes. And then you can leave a review. Tell a friend. Tell two friends. Tell five friends. who Tell five friends. Let's make this the pyramid scheme of podcasts. I would not love, love nothing more. If it works for 
essential oils, shucked oysters, and uh, I don't know. What else do people sell? Wraps that are basically like preparation H and some saran wrap that make you lose 10 pounds. If, if, if people can five, find five friends to tell five friends about that, you surely can do that about my podcast, and that'll help me keep going and maybe help me get a sponsor sometime. So thank you, as always, for your service, for your kindness. Join our Facebook group to get some more inside scoop. And um, I will look forward to spending time with you next week. As always, let me know your thoughts, and I'll let you know mine. I'll be there in five, I swear. Show me everything you got and show me